The time has come. I like that. The time is now for Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. She's a world-renowned dog trainer. Seen enough dogs today, have you? She's the host of It's Me or the Dog. I'm coming to train you. Along with co-host Holly Ferfer. You don't play around with that name, do you? I am a fan of sweaty balls. She's Victoria Stillwell, and she's ready to go. This is a lovely way to start the day. You get the busy bee. I need to trim her whiskers. I see some poo here. I feel a little bit better now because I'm the only one who usually feels stupid during the podcast. Now, let's head to the studio and get this Positively Podcast started. Admiring that book. I am. I am. (laughs) I'm so excited because we've got Dr. Paula Bloom here in the studio with us today, who is the author, along with Dr. Reef Karim, of Why Does He Do That? Why Does She Do That? Hello. I missed you. Welcome. So long. Hello. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, we missed you too. And um, you gave me a copy of your book, which I'm looking through. She did sign it. and she, she did a peace sign and a heart, Paula Bloom. Um, <laughs> but you know what? It really, and I, lo- I love the book, but it makes me feel really old. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Because it's talking about things that I don't think that I have a done or in, in 20 years. And it just makes me feel old. Like I mean, what? I haven't dated in... How long have I long? How long have I been married? Fifteen years. So I've it's a good thing Wait. you weren't saying I haven't dated in five years. You've been married fifteen. So no, that's I've good, been. Right? Uh, look, I've been married. I've known him for fifteen years. I've been married for thirteen years. So uh, I'm a little bit long Dang. in the tooth for this book, but there's some fabulous things in You're it. Old. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I am old. Yeah. I've been I married am. for six years. I'm a spring chicken. <laughs> I remember what it was like. Yeah, I know. But I remember what it's like to date because I did a lot of that. Let me tell you, you ain't missing nothing, sister. Oh, I mean, it was fun when you're in your 20s because you don't care. In your 30s, it becomes a little bit of a drag. Don't you think? Why are you looking at me like I'm crazy? How long have you been married, Paula? I've been married. um, Well, it depends. It depends. What do you mean it depends? Because, (laughs) well, was there a marriage date? An actual ceremony? Well, because we got married legally at the courthouse December 18th. What year? Uh, 2000. Uh, 2000 then our Jewish yes and then our Jewish wedding like our big party wedding was in September of 2001 so it's 2000 it just has implications we say 2000 because of the math when you start thinking about when our daughter was born that's the only time it becomes really relevant yeah but you were technically married (laughs) exactly exactly so that was a really fun conversation so in other words that was 13 years ago (laughs) exactly i've been married 80 years and my daughter is 12 (laughs) Uh uh-huh but see here so you guys are all laughing at me about dating and i've been the one who's dated most recently yes did that sound right um, so <laughs> just we got a lot to tell Sean, but no, oh, what, he knows. But what was, what was, it, it's just a really great book. <laughs> so if you are of dating age, doesn't matter. I mean, that really is, could be any age. You've got to get this book. Aww. Why does he do that? Why does she do that? Dr. Paula Bloom and Dr. Reef Karim. Sean always says to me, is there ever going to be a time when we go out and meet someone and you don't start your sentence with, Oh, I want you to meet this guy that I used to date. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's been really interesting. Oh yeah, exactly. Well, I, I no, no, you're not old, like you said, you well, know, spring chicken. Dog years. I mean, I just turned dog 40. <laughs> Remember my whole existential That's crisis? Right. I just turned 40. Well, just, it was several months ago, but you know, just, just <laughs> turned 40. And my eyes, the day after I needed reading glasses. Really? Isn't that crazy? It just happens really, really fast. Like overnight, like, like that? Like overnight. And my doctor said, oh yeah, that's what happens as you get older. 
Thank you. Thank I know you a lot much. of stuff happens as you get older. What's been interesting, though, is I had an email. <laughs> yeah, I got this email from somebody in their 60s who said, where was this book when I was younger? It was really oh. interesting. Unfortunately, though, um, she said that it threw her back into therapy, the book, because <laughs> at the beginning, I'm like, oh, no, no, that wasn't the intention. Um, but she, because we talk a lot about in the beginning, before you even date, what you need to know about yourself and looking at your patterns and your history. But you know what, though? I think there's another market for this book. I think, cause think about it for the, 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 um, uh, what is it? The golden years? What is, what is that generation? The baby boomers. The baby boomers. Because yeah. a lot of them are becoming widowed and they're getting back into the dating scene. I mean, unfortunately, we've seen a rise of STDs oh, in the elder the, yeah. population yeah. because of that, because they're getting out there and dating again. So this could, you have another market there for you this do. book. You well, do. thank you. So for yeah. everybody who, anybody's dating. Hello. For everybody who doesn't know who Dr. Paula Bloom is, she's a clinical psychologist, has appeared on Nancy Grace, CNN, CNN International, CNN Espanol, Dr. Sanjay Gupta Show. Uh, she's great, CNN. Do you know? In fact, we're all CNN. That's right. I, I know I've been on CNN too, but not as much as you guys have. <laughs> Do you know that um, she's fluent in Spanish? Yes, sí, es verdad. Eso fue mi primer idioma. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's her first language, Spanish. Oh my English God! Is not I didn't know you spoke Spanish. Yes, you I just did. translated exactly what I said. That's because I listened to you. I speak Spanish. <laughs> you do speak Spanish. Uh huh. Oh, para my... necesito hablas más despacio, por favor. Necesito hablar más despacio. Can you speak... speak Spanish with your English accent? No, I can't. I can speak a little <laughs> bit of Italian. Oh, can we it's hear very that? Close. Yeah. Che mia, no, sono Vittoria. Io. Mia mamma ha una casa vicina a Toscana. A house mia, in Tuscany? Sì. Si. It's very no, close to Spanish. Uh, vicina de Luca. Quite, basically, when I was young. <laughs> <laughs> when I was young, I can't. I can't I dangerously can't close to the dating really subject. <laughs> when I was young and I dated a few Italian boys, I spent oh. all my summers there. So, of course... Oh. Uh, we, we had a little house in a little village up in the mountains, and no, none of the kids spoke English, so I had to learn Italian. And so I learned Italian by speaking with the kids there. Oh. And gradually, over the 15 years I was there, I sort of assimilated it just a little bit. I'm, I'm pretty. So bad. you could pick up Spanish. Like when we say, when you say, "How do you say in Spanish?" It's "Come si dice," but in in Italian, it's "Come si dice." Come si dice. Yeah. So yep. it's very similar. Mm-hmm. Very similar. It is. I know very little of a lot of languages. Just kind of like real life. I know very <laughs> I little about say. a lot of things. Well, talking about different places, <laughs> I'm going to move swiftly on to something else that has kind of caught my attention the last couple of days. Is in England my motherland um the motherland <laughs> is uh, morrison's christmas 2012 alternative christmas puddings television okay please translate what the to me morrison's is a cafeteria from no. when i was a child morrison's, yes, morrison's is a grocery store okay. or a big supermarket chain in britain and they have just released a commercial about christmas and showing a little boy giving his Christmas pudding to the dog because he doesn't like it. Okay, quick no. pudding. What a Christmas Christmas pudding. <laughs> you mean like a snack pack? Like you no. know that chocolate thing you put the Christmas cup? pudding. No. I is love me the grossest, pudding. grossest invention <laughs> ever. Is it really pudding like our pudding? It here is in the this States? thick, black, raisin-filled, <gasps> disgusting. Raisin? 
cake. What makes it black? Is it is it like a pudding? Or I is don't it know. Somebody, like a, I don't know what makes it. Just it, it's some. It's just the. It's I don't know. Really? Can, well, it's, let me ask you a question. If it was made without the raisins, would it be tasty or no? No, because it's got fruits and it's got this funny, weird taste. A- anyway, I'm sure I'm I'm offending a lot of people who like Christmas pudding, but. My, I used to hate Christmas pudding so much. My grandmother made me jelly, <laughs> or Jello. Jello. She yeah. made me Jello. Because I think of like dessert on Christmas. Because I, I think I'm thinking, and I know this is going to sound bad, but those in England understand spotted dick. That's what it sounds no, like. No, spotted to me. dick is different. Spotted dick is more. Because like, I like that. That's delicious. Yeah, that's like more custard. like a bread puddingy custard with raisins in it. Yes. No, this is oh, this raisins. Is, Raisins. I can I, and raisins, obviously. Can I tell you my psychological raisin thing really quickly? Okay, I yes. have this whole raisin thing, which yes. is I saw this sign that said oatmeal, char- oatmeal raisin cookies are the reason I have trust issues. And I have to tell you because like they look like a chocolate chip cookie, but they're not. And if you go to a party and you know, they always have the peanut butter cookie, the sugar <laughs> cookie, the open. And so this is what occurred to me when I saw that sign is that I should stand around oatmeal raisin cookies and give out my card. I'm a psychologist because if it brings up my trust issues, it probably brings up other people's. What do you think, Victoria? This raisin thing. It does mine. I think raisins are like lethal or something. I don't know. I don't like raisins. It does mine. I go to Subway sometimes and you have the cookie counter where you pay your money. And I always look at the cookie counter and uh, it's always the chocolate chip cookies have gone. (gasps) And the only cookies that are left are the (sighs) darn oatmeal raisin ones. Gross. Who wants to eat that? I want the chocolate chip cookies. If you don't like raisins, that's an issue. Mm. But some oatmeal cookies are good. I'll tell you what. Here's the deal. Next time, Polly, you come to a podcast. My mom used to make this oatmeal cookie it was almost like a candy and it's really oh trust me it's delicious it, and we would uh, my mom would say i'm gonna make cookies what kind do you want we didn't say chocolate chip we said oatmeal but it's her special oatmeal but she put chocolate chips in it no. instead of raisins no mm-hmm. just oh. so can i show you this this mm-hmm. advert all right so we've got look just just take a look at it, it sounds nice here's the little boy Gives Not it. everyone loves traditional Christmas pud. Hmm. So Morrison's have a cherry chocolate ghetto, an exclusive white Christmas pudding, and a sparkly snow-capped baked Alaska. And they're all £5 each or less. Lovely. Right, lovely. <laughs> um, so, doesn't look a big deal, does it? And the funny thing is people are thinking, £5, it's a very heavy pudding. <laughs> <laughs> Five pounds is money. It doesn't look like a big deal, but the fact is the kid just gave the dog Christmas pudding because he didn't like it. I understand what the kid was doing. Who does like it? Dog takes the Christmas pudding. He doesn't want to even eat the Christmas pudding either. Puts it on a plant and then the plant wilts and dies because <laughs> Christmas pudding's so gross. You shouldn't be giving Christmas pudding. That's what everybody is up in arms about. There's a Facebook page now that where people who were so angry with this advert saying, "We, you, you mustn't give things like Christmas pudding to your dog because raisins are dangerous." And good to uh, know. There, I knew there, there was something with raisins. Numerous dogs have been killed by raisins, mm-hmm. uh, and the, all of these stories are coming out now of people who've lost their dogs because their dogs ingested raisins or grapes. So, I think the message here is. You've got to be careful all year, but please, when you're having people coming around to your house and you're celebrating in the holiday season, be really careful about what your dog picks up. Well, especially when you have all these people around, little kids, they drop food on the floor or people will just come in and they think they're being sweet and they go, oh, here, and they feed the but dog. But what is it with these advertising executives? 
they do they just don't they just don't know they're not educated or they seriously think it doesn't it's not a big deal i think they probably didn't know and they thought oh this yeah. is funny because it's been a long-standing joke and i'm sure they just weren't aware of it they weren't aware that there was raisins in there but responsibly they should do something or say something i looked up on um the other poisonous, there's a lot of poisonous and things that aren't good, but some of these things I was a little shocked at, like onions and garlic. Yeah. Didn't know you shouldn't have that. Well, onions, onions, absolutely. And, um, they cause hemolytic anemia, which is basically, um, your, uh, your, blood. yeah, a blood and no, it's not an infection, like blood but it is. And, um, it's theosulfate is the toxic ingredient. Mushrooms. Now who knew mushrooms? I was surprised that, you know, the issue was mushrooms, um, had no idea, but apparently mushrooms can cause all kinds of problems, coma, death in a dog. So it can, look, a lot of people give their dogs garlic and because garlic is supposed to be sort of an alternative Mm -hmm. therapy for getting rid of fleas. And um, a natural uh, remedy for getting Mm. rid of fleas in your dog. And I used to um, put a tiny little bit of garlic on dogs' food, especially dogs that were suffering from anorexia, not the human form of anorexia, but just anorexia, Mm -hmm. the the medical definition of the word, which is just not eating. Um, And that would really entice these dogs to eat. But um, garlic is a little better, but still... You could give too much. You could give too much, and yeah, and your dog could suffer because of it. So you just got to be really careful about what kind of plants are in your in your home, too. And um, But like fat trimmings, it says, can cause pancreatitis. Yeah. So obviously you don't think about that. You know, you, you oh, here's a little bit of chicken or turkey or ham left over, but if it's a really fatty piece, and they don't digest like we do, do they? They're small. Well, yeah, and also, look, um, things like... Things like um, Avocados, um, which has got a substance called persin in them. It's harmless for humans who aren't allergic to it, but large amounts might be toxic for dogs. So you've got to be careful of av- avocados. Alcohol, of course. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of alcohol in Wait, Christmas al- pudding. I was going to ask you, is there alcohol yeah. in, that, in that pudding? Well, even like I know with cats, you know, you say, oh, give cats tuna or you give cat tuna. I, my vet told me tuna, tuna can cause systolysis of the liver and the kidneys, systolysis of the kidneys. And um, milk, you know, you think, oh, cats eat milk, yeah, drink milk. A lot and of they cats say, are lactose intolerant. Right, and dogs as well. Mm-hmm. They can't they can't break it down like we can. Coffee, tea, other caffeines, oh. grapes and raisins. We know chocolate, pure chocolate, cocoa powder. Yeah, milk and other dairy products. Here we mm-hmm. go. Um, macadamia nuts, candy and gum. Um, <laughs> it causes an increase in <laughs> insulin circulating through your dog's body. I'm sorry. I just, you know, sometimes you think funny Chocolate. What? (laughs) I know this is terrible. When Cashmere was my nightmare dog before she met you and we uh, took a trip to It's Me or the Dog, I remember her being outside and she's on my back deck. I look at her and she's, and she's chomping, but she's not chewing like a normal person. She's chomping away. And I look, I'm like, what is that that she's eating? And I thought, you know, is that a treat? What for the love? And so I finally opened her mouth after about watching her for two minutes and she was chewing gum. Apparently somebody <laughs> spit out the gum. You know, someone outside had spit out the gum and she picked it up. It must have had a scent of mint or something. But she, honest to God, was just sit there chewing it. She didn't swallow it, but she was chewing it like a human being. Sorry. So when you said gum, that's what came up. Yeah. The, the gum as well. Um, what is, how do you pronounce it? Zictothil, zictil, whatever. That's, that's the substance in gum that is very, very poisonous. Zy- oh, it's the... Zic- Zy- Xylitol. Xylitol. Yeah. 
That's it, yeah. Usually uh, you that's know, sugar-free, candy. right? Xylitol yes, is exactly. a sugar substitute. So all of these kind of things. And, you know, um, poinsettias, East, Easter lilies, if you have them at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> but good to know for the next holiday coming up. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, it, it's good because I know a lot of people, you know, they come in and they don't ask, can I feed your dog? You know, don't feed my dog anything that, you know. Right. <laughs> and if you're really feeding your kids Christmas pudding and you have a dog there <laughs> or you've got your nieces and nephews or other little kids around, know that that Christmas ta- pudding is going to end up under the table, right. potentially in the dog's mouth. So don't let him do it. Okay. And Morrison's, maybe do your research next time. Right. Something like that. Anyway. Um, okay. Now we're shifting topics since we're talking about holidays. And I've, um, when I did a radio show here in Atlanta, this is a topic I brought up before. And I want to preface this with, I love my friends and family. I love you to pieces. And you're very special. And I'm so glad you're in my life. But really... You know, I love seeing pictures of the family. If you want to send me a holiday card with pictures of the kids or whatever is important, you're like, fine, that's great. I would love to see my friends, Linda and Jim, the funniest thing ever. We all were good friends with them. I mean, they had a nightmare issue with their house. They had their attic was rotting and molded, excuse me, and they had to dig it out themselves and they did this forever. And so their Christmas card picture was the two of them looking like, you know, with like on the... And that's fine. I totally get it. But if you have to write me a dissertation and tell me, in January, little Timmy cut a tooth. In February, oh, little like Jamie that's became very American. third in her spelling bee in third grade. And we took her to Stevie B's Pizza after to celebrate. Like, here's the deal. If I didn't know that, because then we're not that good enough friends. No, but right. also, but it's written in the third person, a lot right. of these letters are. And it's generic. There's Victoria, no Victoria had a great year, she did. <laughs> and I wrote it. I wrote it. And I'm writing as in Victoria had a great year. She did e-how pet. She, uh, I, what is that? But here's what I'm thinking. Totally never happens in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was completely uh, sort of a shock when I first came so, over here to read all right let's ask our president psychologist why? why do people do this you know it's interesting <clears throat> i actually think though that this is probably and i haven't looked at the data this is anecdotal because i haven't gotten one of those in a few years from anyone <laughs> is that i'm wondering if now with social anymore. media and facebook and all of that people are kind of keeping people posted during the oh. year so i'm wondering if maybe we won't <clears throat> be having the luxury and the privilege of receiving those Christmas letters from people. I don't know. I just, it's tough because on one hand, everyone's really busy. And when you got that letter before social media, um, it was a way to kind of feel connected to people because you weren't having contact and everyone's busy and, you know, it's hard to pick up the phone and call. Now I have kids and I really like them. Um, pretty (laughs) much. (laughs) Um, but I don't feel the need to share every detail of what's going on with them. Um, I don't know. We're friends on Facebook. Do I overshare on Facebook? No, do you think? Uh-uh. No. Okay. I mean, my kids ride unicycles. <clears throat> I think that's cool. I periodically will talk about that. Um, but I really don't think people care that my daughter won the spelling bee, which she didn't because she's really, I mean, anyway, she's great. She's a really good student. Spelling isn't her thing. <laughs> um, we'll just stay with that. But um, I don't know. Like, I just, I, I also think that at times it's like people find their own life more interesting than others might. Yeah, like there's a sense of what is interesting to me about my life. I make an assumption that it'll be interesting to you. Is it like this podcast? What's interesting to us? I believe you hit the nail on the head. I think that Christmas pudding is 
riveting, riveting. Now, no, but, but you know what I mean? It's like, I mean, we all like to, I mean, I listen, I don't know about you guys, but I love driving down like nice neighborhoods and seeing how people live, looking in the windows. Do you do that? No, at night when well, the lights night, are on, I, it's dark all, all the time. I love it. So I think there's a little bit of that having a window into someone's life. And I, I enjoy that. It's just kind of creepy. And I guess, I don't know. I mean, listen, I, I, what I tell people, you know, you're special <laughs> just like everybody else, you know, it's like, you know, and I don't know, but, but then there's another thing too, which is some of us feel like we don't exist. Maybe I'm getting into a little bit of a woo woo mm-hmm. thing. I'm in a little weird place. Um, we, we don't, we don't exist unless we're being perceived, right? It's like this tree in a forest <laughs> thing. Like if nobody hears what's going on with me, did it actually happen? That's a whole nother thing. We could talk about Instagram and Facebook and everything like that, but it isn't, I'm just wondering if it's going to happen less and less now that people, you know, the idea of like losing touch with someone is going to be obsolete. You know, because I don't you know. Can't. You can't. I mean, are you going to, um, you know, are they going to still say that in your books? Like stay in touch. I mean, if you have right. Facebook and that lasts, let's say, forever, and yeah, you move different houses, but even your phone number stays the same, you can keep your cell phone no matter where you go, losing touch with people, is that going to be like a, I mean, I don't know. I feel ambivalent about that. So you can no longer be a hermit and gone are the days of anonymity. Right. Well, in a certain it, way. Right. Right. <clears throat> well, I don't know. It's interesting. What do you? What, so why do you think it's an American thing? Like, do well English because people... it doesn't happen in Britain. What, do you, I've do you never, guys not like My each mother other? never ever. I mean, we never ever received cards, and she receives a lot of them. Right? No right. holiday cards. Yeah, holiday cards. No letters. Yes, no holiday no letters. letters. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And certainly no pictures of family. So when you send cards in Britain, you send them oh. with a nice Christmas picture on it. You don't send them a picture of your family. Mm. Now, I remember, and my mother's very old school, okay? I remember her receiving a Christmas card. This is about 10 years ago from, I think it was one of her cousins and all of his family. And it was a picture of all of them they had summered somewhere. And she was aghast that they had the audacity to send a Christmas card with their picture on it. Because it's arrogant? Because it's self-centered? Yes. Because it's ego. Are you kidding? Yes, that's how it's perceived. That's how she perceives. She's self-referential. When you send a like, Christmas card, you, it's about you, the you ride a little bit inside, mm. you have a nice picture of a Christmas tree on, t- on the front and not a picture of your family. So then when I came and lived here... I started sending her Christmas cards of my family. (laughs) (laughs) And I do remember after we actually got married, Van and I, his mum, who never sends Christmas cards to anybody, the year or the year of our wedding, uh, that December, we got married in May, that December she thought, well, this year I am going to send Christmas cards and I'm going to put a picture of the immediate family, me and my wedding dress and the immediate family at my wedding. Which was her and her husband, my uh, and her daughter and her son-in-law and her son and me, not my mum and dad. Oh, so then when my mother and father, who was alive at that time, and my grandmother received the picture of the wedding, <laughs> the Christmas card. Oh my gosh, there was. Explosions, phone calls back and forth between my mother and grandmother. Did you see the Christmas card? How dare she not include us on it? 
But so I you guess, see, it came around full circle. Now I she can, was pissed off because she wasn't on the freaking Christmas. But card. I could tell you though, technically, I could see she's sending it to her friends and family. So technically, they don't know you, and even though they're, you know, she does. They don't know. Of course, they know me. Yeah. That, that's that's why they don't know my mom and dad. They don't have to put my mom and dad and sister on it. So they chose the picture without them on it. Isn't it interesting <laughs> oh, how the judgment turns? Didn't I would it? never send a picture with myself. Exactly. I can't believe I wasn't on that card. Exactly. <laughs> well, here's a little bit of a window into my life. So I'm going to tell you, though, next year, be watching your, your uh, mailbox, because I am going to write a Christmas letter, and it's oh. going to be all about me. And just wait. So next year at this time on this podcast, one of you two is going to read my Christmas letter aloud. Let it be known. I'm on it. That's so awesome. I have to say, though, you do so many cool things. I actually think it would be interesting. You haven't been in a spelling bee lately, though, have you? No, but it's not going to be. Trust me, it's not going to be. I hosted an event to save children or dogs. It's not going to be. It's going to be, let me tell you about my trip to Big Lots in January. Right. In January, Holly went to Big Lots. Right. And, my, and talking and about she Big, she was going to, yeah. Mine's going to be, and I just had to go up a size in my jeans because, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's what I've done this year. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm, I'm going to formulate, I'm going to take notes every month about what to put in my year end th- uh, letter. Oh, and I can't wait. Oh, so Paula, can you help me with this one? Um, or always at Christmas time, we have this big deal of people getting pets or puppies or kittens mm-hmm. and giving them as gifts mm-hmm. to families, friends, boyfriends, girlfriends, husbands, wives, and giving them as gifts, wow. just like a little present wrapped up, you know. And then, of course, January, February comes along. The little gift has now become a pain and is toileting everywhere and has to be given up. And then the shelters become overrun. I mean, wow. it just happens every single year. And the Dogs Trust, which is a big rescue organization in Britain, came up with a tagline, um, a dog is for life, not just for Christmas. Mm. Why is this? Obviously, yes, because it's a time of giving. But why do people feel the need, even though they now know, they they know, most people know that it's not a cool idea to give an animal as a gift for Christmas. Why do people still do it? Because, I mean, again, of course, it's not a good idea, but people, I mean, What's cuter than a puppy with like a red bow on it? I mean, it's adorable. It's something that you know, you people know the dogs bring such happiness and joy. I don't think they're thinking about the implications of it. Just like the person often who says they want, I mean, how many people want an animal, buy it for themselves or, or rescue it themselves and then don't realize how much work it is, you know? There's this vision of sort of the idealized vision and then... There's what really happens, right? It's a re- and there's a big discrepancy, right, between the adorableness and the work. I mean, it's like parenting. You see these babies that are adorable, and then you think about their smells and their diapers and their feeding. And, you know, we think about the ideal and, and the, the positive aspects, but we forget about all the parts that are mundane and the ones that really take up much more time. And because you want to give a – I mean, what what does that look like to give a child a puppy? I mean, how ad- – amazing right to have that go but oh boy I, I i do find it fascinating though that somebody would give somebody an else an animal i mean it's like i mean i wouldn't even buy perfume for somebody else because it's such a personal thing you know what i mean to give an animal to someone i i i find that i don't know so I know if it happens all the thinking, time but... please if you're thinking even if you're getting a dog from a rescue shelter please don't give it don't give an animal as a gift for christmas or for right. any holiday that you're celebrating <clears throat> please 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 
Well, you mentioned, yeah, like they don't think it through. It's kind of like marriage. You think, oh, this is great, and dating is great, and your hormones are great, and this is wonderful. Yes, I'll marry you. And three years later, you're like looking over at the lazy board couch and the guy who's got crumbs on his, uh, you know, on his shirt, and watching the Falcons play. Yes, right. I'm describing my husband. And yes, <laughs> describing my husband. What have I just done? And I wasn't thinking it through. So I guess it kind of crosses right. over to everything. But no, you, right. it's a really good point. It yeah. is a really good point. I didn't. I mean, I guess I hadn't thought about it, Victoria, how often that happens. I mean, it does. And it's, so, you know, working in rescue, it's so sad to see all of these dogs coming in. And the rescues brace themselves for it mm. because they know that that's what's going to happen. So please, everybody, a dog is for life, not just for Christmas. And a cat. Any animal. Uh, Any animal. Or Hanukkah. Or Hanukkah. It's a big deal, though. You know, like around Easter, too. Think about it. Everybody gets a bunny around Easter. I'll never forget. A friend of mine got her kids. Oh, I'm getting them each their own rabbit. And I was like, oh. Really? Because you can't even take care of fish. And of course, what happened? They had to rehome those rabbits. Thank goodness they found someone to take them. But it's the same thing. Oh, it's a cute. It's so, it's perfect. It's Easter. It's a rabbit. Isn't that funny? Ha ha. Peter Cottontail. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I just get the Cadbury mini eggs, the, the chocolate, the one that the, uh, <laughs> That's right. you know, the, the one that Bunny like lays Much an egg. Much more humane. Uh-huh. We gave my daughter, <laughs> talk about Easter gift, we gave my daughter, the Easter bunny, gave my daughter a little kind of walking bunny that poops eggs. Oh. A little, it's a little plastic <laughs> bunny that walks along and as it walks along out of its bottom comes little egg candies. Oh, candies. Then it's a, that's yeah. a different story. Oh, yeah. No, that's poop, poop, <laughs> well, I was sitting here thinking, like, I didn't realize that bunnies, I mean, I thought they did live births. I didn't realize that they nope, laid pooping. eggs. No, I'm sorry. No, 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 yeah. but it's a Cadbury. It's a Cadbury <laughs> bunny, you know, it's the Cadbury, yeah. Um, now she's going to be confused in biology class when they say, you yeah. know, how do these animals reproduce, you know? Oh, yeah, they lay eggs. I just had an egg this morning. So she's all messed up in the head. We know a good therapist we can send her to. Like, I don't understand. Why I always, happens. I'm always glad when Paula comes in here because... Um, we talk that. nothing about dogs. No, we don't. Um, <laughs> or cats. But we learn a lot birds. about ourselves. So here's a question for you. Um, now that we have her here, I think we ought to discuss something since we've totally taken a left turn from animals. Um, so I just have to tell you, I don't think Paula knows this. So I get a text from Vic uh, earlier today. What time are you and Paula coming? And I said, and she said, because, and I said, or wait, I think I might even still have it. What time are you coming? Because Van thinks one time and I think another. <laughs> And I said, 4.30. And I said, who wins? And she texts back, I do. <laughs> Not that we're keeping score. <laughs> and uh, just swore that. <laughs> so anyway, um, so why is it that we always, like, it's, you know, the com- let's talk about competition. And I think it sort of ties into the holidays as we're talking about gifting somebody for, anim- you know, an animal. For- like, everyone wants to do the best. Mm-hmm. I got you the best gift. I got you the, you're going to be the most memorable, things like that. We always are trying to win. I'm the most competitive of all I know. My husband's very competitive. <laughs> Don't play a game with her. Oh, I've t- oh. oh, my gosh, I'm very focused. But, you know, what is it, especially around this time of year when we all sort of, you know, it's supposed to be the season of loving and giving and charity. And it turns out to be, you know, almost this like craze of, I have to be the best, you know, even throwing holiday parties or, you know, gatherings or cooking, whatever it is. You know, oh, I I really think that a lot of this is kind of uniquely American. I don't know if it's different in England, but this idea of I, for me to feel good, I have to be better than somebody else somehow as if those things are related. 
right? Oh, it's the same in England. It's the same. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's human and, nature, and right? so, and just with this idea, like that, you know, I see it a lot with kids, with parents, like their kid has to be the best at everything. Listen, I don't walk around upset that I'm not a professional football player. Because I don't think that I should be good at that. But there are a lot of people who think they should be good at everything. They think their kids should be good at everything. They think they should play every sport, play every instrument. You know what I mean? Like, and, and just people who think they should be the perfect hostess, they should give the perfect gift. You know, I think just in general, perfectionism, which is kind of what we're talking about, um, is an oppressive force in our lives. Mm-hmm. I don't know whatever happened to just being good enough. Why isn't good enough good enough? You know, right. But I do think the competition thing, I mean, I'm thinking about, you know, home for the holidays, hanging out with family. Oh, I don't know. Sibling rivalry. (laughs) Um, I think it may start there possibly not to sound like a shrink who thinks it's about your childhood, but (laughs) I used to think it was everybody's mother's fault. But now that I'm a mom, I'm convinced Freud was wrong. It's all daddy issues. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but this idea though, of I, for me to feel good, I need to feel better than you. And it's really sad to or me. Or perceived better than Or you. perceived, yeah, perceived better. And this this show that we put on, I mean, it, it, this false sense of self that we put out there, this pressure we put on ourselves, um, it really robs of, robs us of the joy of being present. I mean, when I, I had some people over for dinner last week, and I try to cook everything. Mm-hmm. I try to cook everything um, ahead of time. I try not to do anything last minute. Because I, I was just be thinking, present. we didn't get our invite for that, but I'm sure oh. it was lost. Sorry. Okay, no, okay. It was. It was lost I mean, in it the was, mail. It was a long time ago, you know. Okay. But I remember, I was sitting there thinking to myself, like, this has to be good, and this has to be good, and the table, and oh my god, my kids, you know, I can't believe you. Put, I was going to have them help me with the table, and I was like, no, because then they won't be symmetrical. And I'm like, what was this about again? Oh yeah, the miracle of Hanukkah. You know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's just so easy to get lost in it. And a lot of times, part of what happens is that we, especially during the holidays, yeah. we we stop doing the stuff that anchors us because we get out, you know, we're going to all these parties. So we stop eating well. We stop exercising. Yes. We stop having time to ourselves and we get really ungrounded, which makes us very mm-hmm. unglued. And then we can't get our priorities right. We can't remember, oh yeah, this is about spirituality. This is, you know, cause also, and also it doesn't help. The media doesn't help with all of the commercials about the bigger, the better by this, by that, you know, the, the irony that, you know, Black Friday, which is all about spending is the day after the gratitude day. It's just funny. You know right. what I mean? Like, oh, I'm so grateful for my wife. Oh my God. Now I'm going to stand in line to get the big television. It's sort of, I don't know. I find that interesting. <laughs> it's a really good point. Yeah, yeah. It's so difficult not to be materialistic. And I know that I, I love going shopping as much as the next person, but sometimes after I've been shopping, I feel kind of guilty because you know, did I really need that? No, I just, I just, I wanted it. I right. wanted it. And right. you know, I, I didn't need it. I didn't need to spend that money. Am I becoming materialistic? Well, I try not to be. I think we need to be careful, though, because I think we can also get very judgmental of ourselves. You know, it's okay to take pleasure in the material. I think it just the question is, is that where my meaning is coming from? You know, I used to think that if I was to be a spiritual person, I would wear beige all the time. I wouldn't wear lipstick. I wouldn't like things, you know, like if I was truly evolved, I'd be beyond that stuff. Um, and because I think we can find anything to feel bad about, right? And now I realize it's okay to take pleasure in good design, right? The question is, is that where my meaning and purpose is coming from? And ultimately, for me, objects can't make you happy. 
So when you have people coming around to your house, I do this a lot, and of course in the holidays you have more and more family and people. So yes, there's, there's that whole competition aspect. Certainly when my mother come, law, oh, comes around. Oh, that's around, a whole other. And oh, I've laid yeah. the table because she's like Martha Stewart number two. And um, I want to have my table laid beautifully so that I can get a compliment from her. <laughs> and sometimes when she doesn't Give me Remember, one. you can't get apple juice out of an orange, no, no matter how hard you squeeze. But when, but when I do get a compliment, darn, I've done it. So I try really hard to make that table, not because, I, I, for me, because I want to impress my mother-in-law. What is it when, and when people come into my house, I, I've got a lovely house, but you know, yes, you we're, we're not a we're not a posh family. We don't we, we have we have things that we like that mean a lot to us. And but sometimes I find myself apologizing to people. Oh, sorry, it's a little messy there, or it's this. Or, right. you know, why do okay. we have to do that? So I find this fascinating. Who does that sound like? Uh, who does that sound like? Who might have a second set of furniture in her basement? Oh, you. <laughs> Before, right? Paula, before you I get it, that I get how, what saying. that's how Holly and I met mm-hmm. was for those listeners who don't know how we met, we met because Holly was, and it's me or the dog alumni. <laughs> she was on one of my shows with her husband and her dogs. And one of the crazy things when I did I my I don't think it's that crazy. observation day <laughs> was to watch this weird woman <laughs> Taking all of the chewed up furniture and her rug down into the basement and exchanging for exactly the same type of furniture that hadn't been chewed for when people came. And then when those people left, then she would take the good furniture and swap it for the chewed stuff. I thought it was very ingenious. And you're such and, a but, problem solver. <laughs> it's, it's fascinating. But see, this cleaning up thing. That. So a few years ago, I made this commitment, which, of course, I've broken now several, several times, which was I am not going to clean up my house excessively before people come over because I want to stop the madness. Everyone thinks that everyone lives neat except for themselves, right? Because what happens is everyone cleans up before you come over. And so it's perpetuating this myth, right? Um it's just not a good idea because it, you just get crazy. I mean, I still do it. I still do it. Like, oh my God, those somehow that pile of papers means I'm a bad person. I'm not sure how I made that, you know, kind but of But people connected. will come into your home if you've got, if it's a little messy and go, oh, she's messy. And so what? So let's take it. This is a therapist. This is one of my approaches. Okay. Let's take it to the, okay. So what? What if they say that? Well, I don't know. I uh-huh. don't want them thinking that. Why? I'm, Why do you care? What others what... think of you, one of my favorite things, what others think of you is none of your business. I heard well, that that's once. That's true. That's that that's true when you put it like that. But then you know that so and so comes in here and takes a look at maybe that right. Victoria Stillwell could be a little messy. Why are you now hanging out with so and so? Is going to go and tell so and so my daughter's mother's whatever friends are all going to get together. Oh, her so? house. Oh, she's so. I don't know. What it bothers me. I know it bothers me as well. Not your house. But, but I don't, why should it bother? Why should it bother well, me? Because we focus so much and also we equate um, neatness with worthiness as a human being. I Isn't think. it the cleanliness is close to godliness? Isn't that the same? Does well, that then there's mean, a lot of atheists out there. No, no does that mean, Mo, because my husband is probably the messiest person on the planet? Next to my husband. Isn't it curious? I don't want to do a whole like couples therapy thing here situation, but he's the messiest and his mother's Martha Stewart too. Isn't that interesting? His mother hoards stuff too. Oh, 
That would and be a she, good topic. She has her messy room. Everything else in the house is is all right, but you open a drawer okay. or you open the fridge, stuff falls out so on here's you. Here's this whole psychological <gasps> thing. See, okay. I can even do uh, that one. And I'm sorry <laughs> if you're really bored about this. Uh, I do apologize, but I think this no. Is but fascinating every single person, though, I think this is a universal issue. Okay, because if it's not you, it's your spouse or your somebody you yeah. know. Okay, but so see, tell us but why. See, but I think it's. I mean, I, I've often said that the way your living room looks is the way you present yourself to the world, but it's the your bedroom and other rooms are how, what's really going on inside. I can tell what's going on with me emotionally, not because I'm so connected to myself, even though I probably should be, given that this is what I do for a living. Anyway, I can tell by what's going on with my laundry situation. Like that gives me a lot of insight <laughs> about what's going on psychologically. You know what I mean? And so I feel like it, it's this idea too, like if you're not going to let someone into your home until it's perfect, think about what that means. I'm not going to let you into me, who I am, unless I'm perfect. To me, they're very similar. Like thinking that somehow um, we're too messy to let people in to our lives. Well, good luck. How long are you going to wait till you're perfect? It's just not going to happen. But you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's, it makes me sad when, and I I know I'm guilty of it, when it's so nice to have people at your home, to not invite someone over because it doesn't look as neat as you want, to miss the opportunity to connect, to spend time with people. Now, what I've also learned is the people I'm hanging out with, even if in their head they're judging, they really don't care. They don't. Exactly. They really don't care. That's why when Holly and Sean come over, I don't care if it's a mess. <laughs> yeah. Because I, mean, I know they're not going to judge. Here's the issue, though, and I'm the total opposite, which is weird, is that my house, you know, I say, oh, it's always got, you know, it's I don't do well with mess or right. clutter or anything. And you have to and know this that about drives yourself. my husband crazy. He puts down a Diet Coke and I come back under there with a coaster. He puts something, you know, where it's not supposed to be and immediately, and you know, he puts a spoon in the sink and then he's like, what happened to my spoon? I was like, it was in the sink. I put it in the dishwasher. He's like, I wasn't done with it. Oh, like, and it's like, I am over the edge and I'm, I this neurotic, but, um, so it would right. be, you know what I mean? Well, I like, think but part of it is that people have just individual differences with what they can tolerate. It's not a judgment thing. There are people, for example, who just think about people who prefer it to be a little hotter, people who prefer it to be a little colder, people who prefer louder noises, people who don't. I think sometimes it's just an issue of preferences and an issue of, you know, what kind of um, environment makes you feel more comfortable. I like things neater. But see, here's what's funny. I am more comfortable and enjoy it when I'm in someone's house that's well lived in and messier or whatever. Like it doesn't matter. My next door neighbor has two kids who are out of control and her house is always chaos and I'm very comfortable there. Because it's not your house. Exactly. You get to go home to your place. (laughs) Because I certainly have that. I like to have a clean house. I absolutely, I don't like the mess. It clutters my brain. I feel great when everything is yep. just so, where everything is in That's its place. Me. It's very difficult, though, to have it when you have a child and yeah. also when you have a husband that, for example, <laughs> when he comes to bed at night, he literally takes off his clothes and then they stay where he stepped out of them. Oh, I got a good trick for that, to fixing that. I did that with my husband when I got married. Someone's mom told me to do this and it worked. Every time there was a piece of clothing on the floor, you pick it up and you put it in a garbage bag, you put that garbage bag away and eventually everything disappears. And when they say, where's my underwear? Well, it took Sean a couple times to buy new underwear when he couldn't find his underwear. And after buying a couple packs, he's like, hang on a second. And I was like, I don't know. He said, what happened to all my, you know, I said, well, I don't know. Check the giveaway pile. Let me put what giveaway pile? And I said, well, it was on the floor. Clearly you didn't want it. So I thought it was giveaway. So I was about to give it to Salvation Army. Let me play devil's advocate mm. here. You know how like when people... You don't think my house is cold and sterile though when you come in. I don't know. I don't think it's ultra sterile. I just think it's really... <laughs> it is. No, I'm kidding. It's, it, <laughs> no, I'm 
I wouldn't say sterile. I would say that it's, I mean, and it, 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 the thing is, here's the thing. You as a human being are so informal. You know what I mean? Like you are the most casual, informal, like, can hang out at the diviest place or at the opera. We went to see Carmen. Um, Holly and I it was amazing. Um, you are so, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like you're note. so casual and laid back and non-judgmental in many ways, you know? So I find it so interesting that you need to have, or you feel like your house has to look a certain way, but I don't think you're doing it out of image. Like maybe me and Victoria are more worried about what people are thinking of us. I think it's just your own preference, right? So but in other words, I, I'm crazy on the inside. Um, I wouldn't Am say I that. Am I No. <laughs> I think you're really anyway, healthy. Yeah. Let's go into something else now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I anyway. think people are probably waiting for an Ask Victoria, but, do you think? Yes, I think. But you know what? It goes to dogs, and I think a lot of it, too, bringing it full circle to we are. Um, and I find myself doing this, too, with my dogs. Is you want The same thing with children. You want your, them to be perfect, just like your house, whatever. So I know that when, you know, everybody's fine and, you know, Barnsley's fine and, you know, I'm, I'm just watching them like a hawk or like Cashmere <laughs> watching her like a hawk. And I'm like, oh, yeah, come on. And then she'll, like, lick somebody. I'm like, she normally doesn't do that. <laughs> right, right. Which is BS because she does it all the time. I know, right? You were Wait, supposed to be oh, When I oh. walked into Victoria's house, you know, like. Oh, Sadie's right there. Sadie's right. She body blocks everybody at the door. She carries them a toy and she's right. so excited to see them. And she, you know, yeah, she's so just, she's right there. And then there's my little chihuahua barking. <laughs> anyway. All right. So, um, yes, now that we've come full circle. We can go to Ask Victoria, and you might have some answers, Paula, for some of these questions from a psychological standpoint. Okay. Hey, you got something on your mind? What are you, a wizard, a genius? How do they make a miniature? I mean, is there some way, some process, they they physically miniaturize the dog, or is it a puppy, or what, what the devil is going on? That's a really good question. I've got my work cut out for me here. Next time you want to know something, can you repeat the yes. question? Why don't you ask Victoria? She's the expert with this kind of stuff, you know. Uh, you obviously don't dog. know my dog. Just, Just ask Victoria. All right, ask Victoria this question from Anne in Everton, England. Where is Everton? Do you know what? I don't know. Sydney near, yeah, isn't it Liverpool? You're asking me? No, it was yes, a rhetorical it is. question. Yes, it is near Liverpool. Okay. Okay. Uh, Anne from Everton, England, near Liverpool, wants to know, uh, she says, my dog Bernie is a 14-month-old lab and was born blind in one eye and partially sighted in the other. Recently, his eyesight has gotten worse and he started to bark at people and he doesn't get along with other dogs except for our two other dogs. Could this be lack of confidence because of the poor eyesight or is he being protective as I think I may mother him too much? Training tips for blind dogs would be greatly appreciated. Uh, poor thing. Hmm. Yeah, I, I do think I do think the fact that he's barking at other dogs means that he's unconfident and... Working with blind dogs or dogs that are going blind, you know, if you try and see how or maybe try and have a little bit more understanding of how they might be perceiving the world, that it's a scary world out there, that they are potentially seeing just shapes or seeing nothing at all or seeing very badly even in twilight when dogs historically see the best. Um, And so if your dog is blind especially, I always make it as easy as possible for them in the house. So, for example, because dogs still retain their amazing senses, so their amazing sense of smell, when they do go blind, it's often easier for a dog than it would be for a human, say, because a dog really perceives a lot of the world through their nose. 
So I use that to help make their life easier, certainly within the home. And sometimes you can delineate room to room by putting a different kind of scent. Let's say sometimes people use scented candles. I think sometimes scented candles are a bit much because then it's really sensory like overload. Or something. A little bit. You know, you can delineate each room by having a different scent in each room so that the dog knows where it is. But also you can pay special attention to what's underneath the dog's paw. So, for example, if you've got a step, like in my kitchen into my family room, there's a step. And so for a blind dog, if Sadie ever went blind, um, what I would do there is that I would teach her, I would put a mat or something different under her feet, a different texture, um, texture underneath her foot, uh, underneath her feet, so that when she got to the step, she realized that it was a step down. Things like that. Uh, don't move furniture around. Of course not, yeah. So that your your dog can really begin to negotiate. Your dog already knows the house and can, and can feel comfortable and confident <clears throat> when in the house. Outside, um, I think that y- the confidence needs to come from you. And sometimes walking the dog who is going blind or walking the blind dog by his or herself is important without the other dogs with them because then you can go through coping rituals. Let's say the dog senses another dog coming close to them and you and and lunges. Well, you can teach a dog instead of lunging to do something else, to do another activity, play with a toy, um, eat eat something, um, sit or lie down or walk the other way or just just do a different activity. So then that becomes a ritual of behavior that's established each time the dog senses something's coming close. And that's much easier to teach the dog when it's by itself rather than when you have other dogs with it. And then when the dog is confident by itself, then you can begin to add the other dogs back in. Um, if things regress, you take the other dogs out of the picture again and sort of go back to what the training you were doing before. And it literally is, it's just introducing the dog that, you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm protecting you, so you don't have to be defensive of yourself or protecting me in any kind of way. Um, and I think it's natural, and Paula helped me here, I think it's natural certainly if your animal has some kind of impairment or mm-hmm. disability or your animal's old or ill, that, that, definitely that mothering instinct comes out, doesn't it? Right. I would think the mothering instinct comes out and the sort of people might get looser with the rules. And so when, when the, the, um, the person who asked the question, I forgot what was her name. I'm sorry. Anne. Anne asked the question. She said, maybe I've, I mean, she already knows the answer. Maybe I've played a role, right. In kind of babying the dog a little bit, because I do think that we kind of, um, we know that animals like to have like human beings, boundaries and limits, loving, compassionate, but boundaries and limits. And I'm wondering if we let them get away with things potentially because, oh, I feel so bad. The dog's losing their, that they're going to feel a little less safe because they don't feel. You're, like the, you're keeping a like strong range. Right, around. right. Boundary and, and <clears> safety, <throat> I would think. And also I would think, I mean, we're so connected to our animals. It must just be so profoundly painful for Anne to see her dog struggling. And then when it's painful for you and you're feeling bad and not feeling, you know, positive. And I mean, our dogs, aren't they so sensitive to what we're feeling? Yeah, they, re- they, they do. They pick it up very easily. And I think there is when you, you do take charge, you do take charge in a sort of an affirm and compassionate right. way. Right. So even if you're feeling a little uneasy yourself, you show your dog, you know, 
this is what we're going to do in right. this situation, and I'm going to guide you. Right. And I got your back. You're you're okay. You feel safe. You know, it, I want you to feel safe. I'm here. I would I would imagine. You know, I'm not a dog trainer, but I would imagine that because if they're not seeing you, being more maybe you know being affectionate with your dogs and just really letting them know that you're present with your voice with whatever it might be. Yeah, and it's, also if you're nervous, the dog's going to smell right. it on you. You know, we do emit all kinds of smells in different emotional states mm-hmm. when we're feeling differently. So the dog picks those up mm-hmm. and senses those very easily. Mm-hmm. Does an animal, let me ask you, Victoria, does does a dog, when they become blind, does their inherent personality change in any way? Sometimes they do. Sometimes they really can become a lot more defensive of themselves because they have to protect themselves. They can mm-hmm. no longer see, and that's scary. Right. So then they will become a little bit more aggressive, reactive, and um, it happens all the time. Right. And that's when you have to step in and say, hey, you don't need to be like that because I do have your back. I think I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's the same with people, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. I was actually just thinking about a lot of times when people start losing their hearing. I, I worked a lot with um, older with people who are older, and I remember seeing some people who seemed to get a little more paranoid because they couldn't hear, so they thought maybe someone was talking about them, or you know, they miss cues, and often people don't want to admit that they're losing their hearing, and so they pretend that they're not, but they're missing information and gaping holes. Right. Because, you know, it's really hard as you're aging to kind of admit that you're getting older. And so our our, go ahead, Holly. No, I was just going to say, I think you're right. And I had a my border collie, Bonnie, I don't think you knew her, was previous to me. She was having seizures and lost her eyesight. Mm. And I had two other dogs, Cashmere and Barnsley, at the same time. And one thing may be an issue with Anne is that she's got two other dogs. I don't know how they play or what they do or if they're interactive. I know Bonnie was older than Barnsley and Cashmere. They played a lot. And oftentimes, you know, they'd all be in the same room together, but Barnsley and Cashmere would get a little out of control and knock her over or get too close. And when they would play, they would growl and it would scare her. So it also could too, even though she gets along with the other dogs, it could be a little unsettling and scary. So what I learned to do was separate her bed from the other two beds so that she was out of their way when they started wrestling or playing or, you know, doing whatever. And I was always making sure that she was next to me when they were playing to stay out of the line of fire. So that may be a part of it too, that that dog gets a little, you know, not accidentally knocked around. They're not, you know what I mean? Right. But the other two dogs aren't as aware as we are that this dog is blind. I think whenever you have a lot of dogs in a household, um, when you have a multi-dog household, that you've got to ensure that every dog has their own space during the day sometimes. So they at least have a, their own space away from each other. I mean, they'll do that themselves. They'll take themselves away to their beds, mm-hmm. for example. But also that you have a bit of one-on-one time with, with each dog by, by themselves. And I think that's really right. um, healthy for them. A multi-child, multi-child uh, household. Mm. Being able to really make sure that you spend time with each of your kids one-on-one. There's something very powerful about that. So animals, children. Do you have to be careful? I don't know. This is sort of like an off branch of it. But, you know, as we do mother a dog that has special needs, this dog who's blind or a dog going blind, do the other dogs sense that? And there could be, could there be jealousy among them like children? I don't think there's jealousy. I think there certainly could be a change of behavior towards the other dog because they realize the other dog is weaker. Mm-hmm. That there's a weakness there. And unfortunately, in the canine world, that means you can be picked on. And so kind definitely like bullying with kids. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely. When you see a, a, an elderly dog, for example, you know, the other dogs can take advantage of that or a dog that is sick. Um, same thing. 
But does it also happen, though, like when somebody brings a new baby into a home and you've got a dog, you know, as far as jealousy or, or is that kind of what you were asking? If you start spending a lot of time, Holly, with one of your dogs because it has more, you know, you have to give it medication several times a day and you have to do all this. Will there be any kind of negative impact as far as how that dog will perceive you in your uh, I relationship? I think they can. And I do have a lot of people say dogs can't, they, they don't have the ability to feel jealous. Well, um, I've written in my book that's my new book uh, answering that question. Do dogs have the, that cap- capability of feeling jealous? And I believe they do. And there's a, been quite a few studies on, on this, but... Um, a good friend of mine, Dr. Nicholas Dodman at Tufts University, has done quite a few studies on this. But basically he said, in his very non-scientific way, if it walks like a duck, um, quacks like a duck, and looks like a duck, it probably is a duck. So if the dog is trying to interrupt you as you're giving attention to the other dog, or if the dog is barking at you, or demanding attention, or getting upset and aggressive to the other dog when you're giving attention, chances are that, yes, that dog is jealous. That dog is upset that you're giving the other dog attention, and your dog wants it for himself, because what is jealousy? It's that you are um, you become anxious, you're worried that somebody that is important to you is being taken away, or their attention is being taken away from you. Um, that you're losing that person. And so, right. or that person, that person has something that you don't have. It's fear. I mean, jealousy yes. really, underneath jealousy, yes, you're the, right. the primary emotion is fear. So, um, so therefore, I really think that dogs do feel jealousy. Now, whether they feel guilt, <laughs> well, that's a different well, what about thing. that whole thing when oh. people say, oh, it looks down, will make eye contact with you after they do something? No, that's Victoria? really that in response. Behavior? That's really, yeah, learned behavior. It's really in response to your body language. So then we project, then we project yes. guilt onto them. I yeah. don't know if I saw this on a Facebook page, Twitter, or somebody, but somebody said, it was on, I think it was on my feed on Facebook, and said, my dog just ate my $200 shoes and put herself in a timeout. And there was a picture of the dog sitting in the corner with her face in the corner. And I, I don't know whether that was really the, the story, but that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen but you're right like you see the dog like that'll look at you and they look down they look away they know they've done something wrong well in order to feel guilt you have to have a really innate sense of self you have to be aware of how your behavior affects others isn't that right right yeah and that sort of heightened awareness we don't think as of yet that dogs have the capacity to to feel to, to be self-aware self-aware then they're not self-aware they are self-aware sorry they're aware of their own presence in the world but are they aware or concerned of how their behavior right. the is affecting impact. you okay. or others okay, okay but let me ask you yeah. this so one of the things that the reason that you came to us and we did it smear the dog is my dog cashmere was escaping out of our yard and so she would come back you know 10 15 20 minutes later she always came back and she would come back or if we, you know, saw her in cashmere, get back here. And she would come back, you know, come on, come on. But I knew from you not to ever punish them when they return because you don't want them to associate coming back with bad things. But I would say, you know, come on. And I would get her inside the yard and immediately she would drop her head and she would walk inside and she would like make herself scarce as if she knew. Because oh she remembers even though you changed your behavior, oh. she still remembers from previous excursions your reaction which is a a normal reaction so she still remembers that it becomes almost a habit of behavior it's a predictable i'm going to behave 
I, I always behave in the same way in this particular situation. It's almost like a trigger. Oh, right. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yep, right. absolutely. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's another question from Catherine in Catherine in Essex Junction, Vermont. Can I start that over? Catherine in Essex Junction, Vermont. I have been there. It's in Vermont. <laughs> Dear Victoria, please help. We recently adopted a second dog, a three-year-old 20-pound beagle mix named Buddy. My husband and I are having major troubles training him. His nose is his guild. Guild? His nose is his what? Guild. G-U-I-L-D. Guide. I guess maybe she meant to say guide. And if there is a scent that catches his attention, he becomes deaf and blind to any of our commands. My husband patience is running out and I need help advice. If I'm going to be able to keep this dog in my marriage intact. So, yeah, I mean, I think that you can boil that down to a, um, you can boil that down to a small issue because it's the same kind of thing. Even when my dogs are outside and they're in a fenced in area and I say, you know, come on time to come in and they're smelling something or doing something it's like selective hearing. It's like when the Falcons are on and I asked my husband if he can help me move a dresser, he doesn't hear me. And then they come in when they want to. That you have a hound yeah. and this dog is a beagle mix and beagles really think with their noses. I mean, most, mm. a lot of dog breeds think with their noses, but beagles especially. And I always say when you have a beagle, you've got to understand that the nose is its world. Mm. So, how can you become more motivating than that scent that the dog has picked up? And um, what is at the end of that scent? Mm. That thrill that drives um, the dog to want to discover what is at the end of that scent um, is much more thrilling than coming back to you. It's really hard. So, first of all, until the dog has got a good recall, you never allow it to go out without a leash or a long line on it. You can have an extendable leash, you can have a long line, but you just never allow it to to practice not listening to you because when it practices that behavior, it just reinforces it. Mm-hmm. So, and then when you are in your backyard, you've, you've started in your home, you you go to your backyard when it's good in the backyard you you know you can go to a training class where there's more distractions you really set up a good recall and that means you make coming back to you the best thing the dog could ever do and you do that in a quiet environment first with no distractions and then you gradually build it up where there are more in environments where there are more distractions and a training class is a really good one to do because there are other dogs around there there are lots of scents there's lots of smells and um and then you can have other people sort of throwing whatever your dog loves around him, but your dog's got to ignore it and come right back to you. That's sort of recall, an A-plus recall. But it takes a while to get to that point. And it's all great, but then you get outside. And then your dog gets a scent of what really motivates it. So sometimes even when you've done all of the teaching in the world, it's really hard for the dog to come back to you. Now... In here, she's written command, and I know we're used to using those words, obedience and commands, but I I don't like using those words anymore. I, I like to use compliance rather than obedience. I like to use the words cues rather than commands, because if you command your dog to come back to you, what is in it for the dog? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I want to 
to cue it. I want to teach that recall as a cue that's the most awesome thing that could ever happen mm-hmm. to that dog ever, 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 whenever it comes back to me. And that depends on dog to dog. Is it food? Is it toys? Is it a game? I mean, my gosh, I've done things where I've had um, real rabbit fur for dogs that are really um, prey-driven. And that is the toy that it'll get when it comes back to me. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 it's hard. But of course, here's this poor woman trying to train her dog, teach her dog when, uh, and because she's worried now about what her husband's going to be right. saying because he's losing it. I wonder mm-hmm. if he, because I go into so many homes, Paula, oh my goodness. where the poor woman is trying to do their best or sometimes the poor man mm-hmm. is trying to mm-hmm. do his best and the other other half is just complaining and, but not doing anything about it. Right. Don't think that it's that, okay, she got the dog. I'm not going to help teach it, but I want the dog to behave. Right. And I go in there and say, but you've got to, you've got to become part of that teaching process. Right. Cause it became, it was what you were saying to, first of all, I was just thinking that to me, the whole moral of the story for you, Holly is, <laughs> um, you don't ever want to go ask him to move furniture because you don't want it to be reinforced, right. you know, like while he's watching a game. Right. But no, it's so true. And I would imagine, I mean, it's very difficult because every time that dog, that the let's say in this case a husband isn't setting the boundary it's reinforcing the dog's behavior that you don't want and so it's it again it it's just like parenting right i mean you're giving mixed messages it's very confusing and i think a lot of times people want the end result but they don't want to do the work for it it's very difficult i mean i've seen it's near the dog and i think Wow, Victoria is one of the best couples therapists I've ever seen. I mean, <laughs> thank it's you. Un- no, seriously, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable, and I think that using these, this is why I love so much the positive approaches that you use because to me that spills over into how we train each other. I mean, we train each other as spouses all the time. That's what we do. You know, oh my, my wife likes this. I'm going to do that again. Right. And so using those same positive approaches that you teach with our animals and using that as a positive way. I mean, you don't want to command your husband to do something, but maybe cueing him. Right. And same kind of thing. It's so empowering. Right. The, the dog's making a decision instead of you're making it make a decision. And that well, you just hit the nail on the head, because for so long we put the emphasis of training has been about um dominating your dog into submission um, imposing your will upon a dog and really all of that just doesn't allow a dog to think for themselves but when a dog thinks of themselves and makes choices and solves problems and they're very good at doing that mm-hmm. you suddenly find a change in your dog mm-hmm. that your dog suddenly goes okay this is fun I get it this is highly reinforcing and it's interesting what you said about Holly um, you know, don't ask Sean to move furniture when he's watching the Falcons because you're setting him up for failure Mm-hmm. You are not going to be successful. And that's what I say to pe- to people. Don't call your dog back to you when your dog is in the middle of the most awesome game playing with other dogs. Because he's, because he's just going to ignore you. Wait till there's a lull in the action and then call your dog to you. It's all about uh, people don't understand how much they reinforce their dog's negative behavior. Right. 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 No, it it is. And again, it's the setting up for failure. I think we do it with our animals. We do it with our relationships. We do it with ourselves. 
You know, we do it, we, we set ourselves up. And I think timing, it, it seems to me like such a critical thing. You know, we're talking about the moving the f- furniture during a game, inter, you know, intervening when your dog is having a good time and you're like, come on, come on, let's go. I think that that's that dominance mentality. Like what? Immediately what I want this moment, even if it's completely incompatible with what you're doing in the moment, um, I don't know. I, I don't want to move through the world with that attitude that that somehow everybody's supposed to be submissive to me. I, I don't want to oh, move. Oh, there's a I, lot of people though, I know. that do. And that's why, Paula, it's so fabulous having you here because we have so much to talk about with regards to that. You know, the battle still rages on. And we love to have you back in the new year uh, on a more, I, I would say, a lot more than you've been here oh, before. Thank you. Because there are so many parallels, of course, between... Uh, human and animal behavior, but also how we treat ourselves, how we treat our animals. And I think there's so much that we can learn um, because you're a clinical psychologist. I I really appreciate the compliment you gave me going into homes and and couples therapy, as it were. And I'm thrown into the fire because my, my expertise is with animals. But as a trainer, as soon as I became a trainer and I started to to become professional and go out and into the world, I soon realized very, very quickly that this was going to be more about having people tell me their problems than actually teaching the dogs. Or watching their problems, seeing it, yes. see what happens when you walk And in. then having to deal with those problems first before I was able to deal with the right. dogs. And so the two are so interrelated that, I mean, I would like... And we've heard from a lot of people who that are listening to this podcast that they'd also like to to be able to kind of delve deeper into that world. Totally. Because really, one of my favorite things that I've heard is that the way we do anything is the way we do everything. And it's all very much connected. The energy you put out, whether it's with your animal, whether it's with your neighbor, whether it's with at the grocery store, it comes back to you. So the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Let's be more positive. I like that. The only the only wisdom I ever got was there's no audience like no audience. That one's a lot better. <laughs> that was fantastic. Thank you, Paula Bloom. Thank you so your much book, for Why does he do that? Why does she do that? And that's why people need to buy your book because you're so insightful and you're smart and you know everything. So uh, we can't wait to see you back in the new year. Have a oh, great yeah, holiday. I'm excited. Happy Hanukkah. Thank you very much. Happy New Year. Thank you very much. Are you making much. any resolutions? So... I I was reminded of the resolution I need to be making. I make it almost every year. um, And I was just realized it when we just did that whole Ask Victoria, which is to be better with people's names. You know, I was like, what's that person's name again? What's that person's name again? And, you know, somebody was saying that, you know, it's kind of a cap out. People are like, oh, I'm just not good with names. And I say that all the time. And I realized, you know what? Names names matter. Names are important. So I'm really going to try again this year to make to, to make the resolution. Well, I actually like to actually accomplish it, not just make the resolution. Cause usually I say that I'm not going to, I'm this year, I'm going to give up smoking and it's easy cause I'm not a smoker. So it's like a setup <laughs> for success every year. Oh yeah. This year I'm going to stop smoking. It's really great. Cause then I always accomplish it. Um, but no, I want to be better with names. I think names are important and there's no reason that I shouldn't focus on that. So any suggestions people want to give? I've heard the say the name three different times in the conversation. Hi, Victoria. How are you? Yes. Hi, Victoria. But I find that a little irritating. (laughs) You know what I do? And I'm bad with it too, but I come up with something and I kind of think of a, uh, just think of a something that relates to me. So, Anne, so I would think Anne and then, you know, then I would go Anne and then I would say, oh, Anne, she was the one that got head chopped off Henry VIII. Are you kidding? I just thought exactly no Anne of Cleves yeah oh no Anne Boleyn Anne Boleyn I was thinking of Anne of Cleves right and I was thinking Anne Boleyn but see 
that's why we're such good friends. That is why we're but, such, that you know is I mean? weird. But that's, that's but weird. see, but that's, if I can relate to that, because right. then I go back and I think, what was I thinking of when I was trying to remember her name? And that's right. sometimes easier to think of the situation. So someone said to me, hi, you know, my name is Michael. And I would go, oh, that movie with John Travolta, Michael was terrible. Then all of a sudden I think, you know, when I'm trying to remember their name, I think to myself, because right. I laugh, oh wait, John Travolta and Michael. Yeah, I need to work Try on that. that. Because, you know, works. it feels really good when someone remembers your name. You know, it feels like, so, I mean, I need to do the same thing. So I'm, that's I'm my resolution. I'm the same. And you know what? I would love to discuss in January, if you could come back for sure. one of the first podcasts that we have in January, because I want to discuss, A, why people make resolutions mm-hmm. and what what is it about January that sort of, yes, it's the start of a new year, but, you know, why is it the most depressing month of uh, for a lot of people and January and February. Not for me. It's my birthday in January. It's It's a good month. It's about the only person. (laughs) But, you know, why and how can we get through it and, you know, how can we use our animals? There's a lot of really good specific tips and there's a lot of research about motivation and making changes. So, oh, yeah, there's a lot we can go into. Well, then we look forward to going into it with you, Paula. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. For more information, visit Positively.com. Get connected on Facebook as Victoria Stillwell or follow her on Twitter at It's Me or the Dog. This Positively Podcast has been brought to you by Pets Ad Life, who encourage you to get a pal for your pet. Visit PetsAdLife.org or the Pets Ad Life Facebook page to learn more. Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively.